It's great to hear that they're excited we're going to be back. Anyone else excited about the opening of Swings' classic location? I know I am. Welcome back to Drip, a DC Coffee podcast. I'm your host, Austin Brower. Head roaster, Javier Madrano, and Tudor Payson, soon to be manager of the 17th and G Street location, and I hunker down in the Alexandria Roastery to talk about the reopening of the classic location and explore the history of DC's oldest roaster. It was a blast talking to these two, and it was such an honor to get to learn about the iconic Swings Coffee. If you listen closely, you might just hear a few secret blends and some coffee shot combinations. So sit back, grab your cup of coffee, and enjoy the episode. Well, thanks for joining today. Yeah. It's pretty big. Where are we? We are at the Swings Coffee Roasters in Delray, Alexandria. Nice. It's a sweet spot. Yeah. And who are you guys? I'm Tudor. I'm going to be managing the upcoming 17th and G location, or the classic location. Classic location. The classic location. I'm Javi. I'm the head roaster at Swings. Nice. Well, and this is kind of funny. I So I was at the Swings 14th location. Yeah. And I, I was pestering Tudor about jumping on the podcast to talk about the new shop that's opening up, mm-hmm. or the old shop, the classic shop. Right. The classic. And then Javi, the roast man, he reached out on uh, Instagram and was like, hey, I like coffee. Let's talk about coffee. Yeah. It wasn't exactly like that. It was a little more eloquent. But uh, now we're here talking about coffee with swings. So this is huge. Yeah, I used my, uh, was it my email voice when I was talking to you on Instagram. I was like, oh, I'm going to be more. Yeah. Good. It was a good email. <laughs> So. But cool, yeah. So it'd be just great to start out with kind of what got you guys into coffee. Maybe we can start with Avi, Roastman. What got you into coffee? It was a, a couple of things. Uh, I've always loved coffee, and my parents drink it religiously. And uh, it was always like a thing growing up. My parents would make me uh, make them coffee. Yeah. And that was, that was like my big task of the day, you know. And I always like took pride on that. I was like, all right, I'm going to make them, like, even though it's just simple drip coffee. But I remember that's kind of where it started. You know, my parents are from El Salvador. So when we would go over there, my grandma roasted her own beans and, uh, you know, made coffee fresh. So that's kind of where my love began. But uh, it really started about three years ago when... Uh, I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast. And, okay. Uh, Peter Giuliano was the was the guest, and uh, it was three hours of uh, a, a coffee expert trying to explain to someone that doesn't know anything about coffee. Yeah. And uh, just for people listening, tell us about like just real quick one sentence. Who's Peter, and why is he important? Peter Giuliano uh, is uh, one of the presidents of the SEA. At the time, I think he was uh, running counterculture. You know, he, I don't even know how he got even invited into the Joe Rogan podcast, but Joe Rogan liked coffee and he was like, all right, I'm going to get you in there. And he, uh, in a very rudimentary way, explained to Joe the world of coffee. And uh, at the time I was working at a fire alarm company and I was hooked. It was uh, three hours of me just sitting in an air handler unit listening to a coffee podcast but that was it you know i was like i started looking up youtube videos from there and i started visiting shops yeah so what were you initially so you're a roaster now yeah were you initially interested in roasting or just being a barista or just coffee it actually was roasting okay uh my grandma i did my first roast with her in el salvador i thought that was so cool what would you do it on uh, it was just like a skillet, like this big iron skillet. And she just threw some beans on there, green beans. And I just remember her going, don't stop stirring. Just don't stop stirring. 
And that was it. Like, yeah. I would just stare. And then when the first crack happened and the smoke was just going in my eyes. I remember my, cause I was crying. The smoke is now just going in my eyes and my grandma just grabs the wooden spoon and just starts stirring and the smoke's just going in her eyes and she's just eating it up. She looks like, yeah, you down, like, dead stare like, oh, you have a lot to learn. Yeah. Like, <laughs> little happy, come on. But that, that kind of, that, that stayed with me. That was one of those, those, those key moments, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so when I started getting into coffee, I was like, I would love to roast. I remember coming here for a cup of coffee. I had a, a Costa Rica. I don't, I don't know if you were at the Santiago. It was like a natural. Yeah. That was the first cup I had here. And I remember I was like, I don't know what they did to this coffee, but I want to know. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was so good. And that's when I started, I realized it was a natural coffee. So I was like, okay. I started learning about the processing of the coffee. And I was like, oh, this is really neat. This yeah. is really cool. I would love to work here one day. There you go. So it was like, foreshadowing. 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 Yeah. And he does work here now. So. But that's really neat. Some family influences and then also just kind of hearing about the culture got really engaged. Tudor, how'd you get involved in coffee? Sort of with a summer job, kind of discovered um, <clears throat> just the kind of work it was. I would say I wasn't much of a big coffee drinker before that. I sort of had to, to even learn to like espresso, you know, to, mm-hmm. to be able to work with it. Um but it was kind of, it was a workplace that kept bringing me back. Uh, this is my third time working with Swings, having left for uh, school and other opportunities. And I think compared to most other places I've worked, it's just the, the flow and the environment and the interactions you get to have uh, is something I enjoy. So since I was 18, I've worked in it on and off, but I always kind of found myself coming back to it. Yeah. And then always in the 14th Street location, or were you all around? I started with swings at the 17th Street location. Okay, the classic. The one we're reopening. I uh, worked there twice until it closed uh, to renovate. And then there was about a year gap between that. And then we opened the 14th Street mm-hmm. location, and I rejoined swings. And I've uh, been with them now until it's uh, given me the chance to reopen the 17th one. Yeah. How, that's kind of wild, huh? To have Absolutely. worked there at an 18 year old and then started there, yeah, part time barista and just gradually worked my way up to it. It's a lot of fun to get to reopen a store, freshly renovated, mm-hmm. and brand new everything. Yeah, I new can't toys. wait to see it. Yeah. Your, your machine's in the back. <laughs> Man, can't wait. I've been waiting for this location since I moved to DC. So not as long as some, probably, but I've been waiting and I'm excited. And so Swings Coffee in general. You can't really I think, talk about DC coffee or the DMV coffee area without mentioning swings and would love to hear from kind of both of you, you know, why swings is so important to the DC coffee scene. Just apart from its straight up time in the city, founded 1916 and basically operating continuously since then, it's just been one of the oldest establishments and basically just cumulative experience, I think, is carried across it still roasts blends that it uh, came up with, you know, back in its founding years. I think the Mesco were celebrating its 100th year oh, that's cool. this year. And yeah, I think there's a chance to just kind of establish the, the local flavors as well as the some of the original D.C. coffee culture. Yeah. I think it's very engraved in the D.C. coffee culture, too. It's 100 years. Of, if you look at the waves of, of coffee just in history in general... For it to survive, you know, the instant coffee phase, you know, you think about the 70s, the 60s, and small shops like Swings, they were shutting down left and right. And Starbucks came, shutting down left and right, small shops, but they survived. And it's it's definitely 
a big part of the history of uh, DC. I mean, the, right now on on East Street, the letterings are still there. Mesco Building, yes, Classy Building, part of the historic register, so okay. it's actually protected as part of DC. Huh? As the Emmy is Mesco, yes, Emmy Swings, mm-hmm. right? The yes. official name. So the the Michael Edward Swing being the founder, Swings of the Coffee, and then Mesco Blend, yeah, derived from that. Do you, you guys mind sharing a little bit more about that history and kind of what how it came about and maybe some of the transitions that Swings has gone through? And then also your secret recipe. How's that been passed down from <laughs> year to year? I think it's, it's evolved from its time. I mean, it's, the recipes? Yes. You know, it evolved with coffee. You know, we're, right now we're in the specialty, you know, third wave. You know, so we kind of have to go with that but still have blends that represent the old times, you know, we've had customers that are ordering the same, the same coffee yeah. for decades. You know, they're still That's ordering their dip. Although order things on the secret menu that I didn't even, I'm still discovering as a roaster. There's a secret menu. There's things that have existed before that I didn't know were a blend, you know, like double Mesco is exactly. one of those things, right? Like people will order. I was like, That's not a thing. Like I've had a customer when I was a barista at the bar. Oh, say, I want two parts G street, one part. Mesco. Yeah. yeah. Secret, <laughs> but it's it, it's things like that that I was like, wow, you know, this goes way back, and yeah. uh, I'm still I'm still really new to this company. Talking to either Mark or Katie, who knows a lot of the history mm-hmm. of uh, swings, and Mark and Katie are Mark is our owner, mm-hmm. and uh, Katie is the head of wholesale. Okay, and uh, she's the know-all; like, she knows the history or who's worked here before. And Neil, too, obviously, Neil's the director of coffee here, and uh, he'll tell me stories since I'm new. And it's like, wow, you know, that's crazy. Like, this is, this is coffee that a lot of our presidents have drank. So, cool. Yeah, that's cool to think about. And so some of the, the transitions that Swings has gone through, whether it's with owners or how did it initially get started and founded? And then that's a lot of history, but uh, the abridged version would be fun to hear about. Well, part of its history is adapting to coffee culture mm-hmm. uh, as the standards changed. I think uh, some of the older roasts that we still run kind of reflect that. They might be darker than the current trend, but they still express the unique flavors they each offer. Mm-hmm. There's some discontinued offerings, like uh, flavored coffees, you right. know, that you now may be slightly less exciting to the, the coffee culture scene. But, you know, bringing an espresso, uh, that's something... You know, that Swings basically saw come into existence from nothing since its founding. And now that's one of the primary offerings and sort of the centerpiece of each shop is the espresso machine and the <laughs> drinks you can make off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think introducing and trimming the offerings is necessary. has been part of the history as well. Yeah. And so Emmy Swings started it. And do you know kind of what initially prompted him to want to start a coffee shop? Or- that I don't know. I don't know. I know it, there was also like a was coffee and candies in the same building. It was huh. this affiliated classic candy shop uh, that you'll see in the pictures. Yeah, there's a there's I think there's pictures on our main website. Okay. Of the original store, mm-hmm. and it looks like a pharmacy, <laughs> but it's it's you know I I don't know where like his thought was to to doing a coffee roasting company, but. We're still here. Yeah, still here. <laughs> Whatever he did, he did it right. Yeah, uh, oh, but Mark took over the company about eight years ago. So. 2006, I think. 2006, yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he knew that, uh, that there needed to be, like, changes made. Uh-huh. And uh, especially going into the, the specialty the, uh, coffee market, 
you know, to tap into that. Yeah. And I think I've, I think we've done that pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And so when he came on, where was kind of swings then just from your interactions with Mark or your perspective of the company, how did, how did swings shift more specialty? Did you focus more on retailer distribution or retailer distribution, retail, or, um, what's that other one? Wholesale. Wholesale. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Trick question. No. I think he did a lot to really uh, bring the company up to where it is now. I think they didn't even really have espresso machines in any function when he got the company. It was just uh, one coffee shop and the roastery, which didn't have a storefront. So it was just the, the, it was actually just the location that we're reopening. And the roastery was kind of an off-site warehouse. But you couldn't really, you wouldn't go there to buy coffee unless you were, yeah, wholesale. So from that, it's up to, you know, now it's going to be three locations. One of them, the roastery and a very nice uh, kind of ornate storefront, able to show off the uh, workings of the roastery behind it. Mm-hmm. It's also, he's made the right investments in my eyes with the cupping lab. You know, these are big, big investments that you have to make, but it shows that you'd want good quality coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's what his focus was with bringing, I guess, the new face of swings. Yeah. Cause we, we, you know, we had to, there's no other option. You have to adapt, adapting and also keeping that core, you know, old school value that we kind of want that old school charm. That's something that when I first came into this shop, I felt the industrial feel of this, of this shop and, uh, you know, the old school menu and, you know, but it was also, a pour over list of, you know, five micro lot coffees. And, you know, so it was, it was, it was neat. It yeah. Was, it was cool. Yeah, there's definitely that charm of just unique, unique things within swings, at least this location for sure. The, the newer location, and I'm assuming the classic location that mm. definitely make you think like, uh, that was pulled on from years of experience being in the coffee business. And so that's fun. And what, and yeah. Talk more, if you don't mind about the cupping lab, uh, we were walking through it. It's really awesome. And, I know you guys have some cuppings on Fridays, but you know what's cupping? What's a cupping, and what's it do to your coffee program? How does it interact with, say, your roast that you do? Where we were talking a little bit about it earlier. Options the lab gives you is it's basically every piece of equipment you've had you would have in a shop and then some, so you can prepare coffee any way you want. And sort of having that all in one place, apart from a coffee shop, uh, there's never any you know. The pressures of businesses, if you're trying to practice or taste or train people up in a shop, uh, the cupping lab is kind of just a ideal environment to try anything you want with any piece of equipment, any method of preparation, and uh, just really learn about the coffee in kind of a hands-on way. Yeah, it's uh, it's a quality control, you know. Mm-hmm. Once you learn the the concepts of what a, a cupping is, which is a hypersensitive uh, coffee tasting, you know, it's a hyper sensitive to our senses you know so like we're Mm -hmm. trying to enact certain palate senses you know breathing in the coffee and trying to taste the acidities and and the bodies of the the coffee and knowing how our blends taste um so for our mesco blend you know we have uh or our four mile blend which is our espresso we have Mm -hmm. you know nutty spice and sweet maybe our coffee's outdated you know, what do we do there? You know, that's, that's where our palettes come in and that's where the cupping lab comes in. You know, we'll take samples, uh, we'll cup it. We'll say, Hey, this is not it's tasting a little flat or this isn't, this doesn't have the right sweetness to it. Why don't we try instead of the Costa Rica, let's do the Peru or changing the roast profile. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's something that 
as a roaster, I don't forget when we got the Dota in for the first time, it was, it was a very dense bean. Okay. And we were trying Dota from Dota's from Costa Rica. I knew something was off from the roast. I told Neil, I said, Hey, it's not looking like a uniform color. I was like, and we put it in the Agtron scale and the spread was, was really wide. And it's like, Hey, how do we shorten it? And how do we know? How do we know we're developing the right roast profile? And we basically did a series of, uh, different tests of applying and not applying heat to prolong the roast, uh, to develop it a little bit more. And we cupped it. And that was the first time I saw the importance of the, the cupping lab and just mm-hmm. cupping in general. It's being in the room with Neil and having whether I turned off certain heats at three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. And we're cupping it each one, each one. And we found it. We found that sweet spot. And that was that moment. I was like, wow, we, we developed this roast profile. And this is the first roast profile I've ever developed. Like, this is awesome. You know, and it changed our four mile. Yeah, you know, I, I I remember the next week going to the bar and just pulling shots by myself and just trying it. And I was like, oh, that's it. Like that's what that's what I wanted. Like so, that's, it's neat. And uh, you can do that with uh, almost all of our blends. And you don't always have the same coffees. You know, you run out, so you have to you have to really know you know what you have on hand if. You know, a wholesale customer is ordering 200 pounds of, of High Mountain or Mesco, but we ran out of one of the coffees. We have to know, especially, uh, how to substitute it. Yeah. And, uh, with the cupping lab, we can do that, huh. you know? So there's, for Mesco, say you have a certain profile, right? Mm-hmm. That you, that you mentioned, kind of like spicy and some other ones. And when, say you run out of coffee or coffee's out of season, you use the cupping lab to help you. Um, find that right right profile so then you can scale it and still give that customer the same mesco blend quote unquote yeah like maybe not the same beans but the same taste the same taste and if you're ordering the same coffee for decades you know what it tastes like yeah so if something's so, off you know they'll they'll, they'll know <laughs> like even if even with our dark roast which i think they all taste the same no you know they'll they'll figure it out if you if, if something's a little off and it's just like okay well we need to change that yeah you know, so and then from the barista side of things, do you push people to go to cupping labs or cuppings if they're really interested or how do you leverage it besides training? Uh, we, we try to offer what we can in store. Uh, we have done occasionally cuppings in the cafe itself. Uh, sometimes it's just for staff, sometimes more open to the public. Uh, mm-hmm. of course, if anyone's interested, we're always happy to share. We'll have the, uh, the pour over bar. Uh, lets us offer a half dozen single origins at once, um, which isn't quite a cupping, but it does let you really try to sample the unique characteristics. And we'll try to put six very different from each other coffees on so you can actually get that spectrum of flavors. Uh, and then the single origin espresso lets us also kind of isolate a very unique trait one at a time or just offer something other than the house blend. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently we had this uh, Ethiopian Amaro Gallo that had a, an almost distinctly blueberry flavor, and it was it was so clear. Uh, you could just give it to someone to try, and that would be the first thing they mentioned about it. Huh. Is it still there? It had a good run. <laughs> um, interestingly, even after we had it for a month and we were getting it from the roastery, we could notice changes between from how it had been a month before. Uh, so sometimes the flavors can be very, uh, not to say delicate, but mm-hmm. just, uh, flighty. 
Yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. with uh, the guy that was it stole the the, the show. Yeah. You know, they, that was definitely the rock star coffee so far. And you know and it, it's it did change flavors. Yeah. So when we first got it it was it was blueberry. And these were all the same bags these, and just these were all the same bags, but you know, it changes throughout months. Yeah. You know, a coffee has especially green said they have a shelf life. Yeah. Or even uh just roasting it to, and, and like I said, you know, with Virginia weather yeah. and everything, you know, it, it, it does, it, it does do, make a difference on, mm-hmm. uh, on these delicate Ethiopian coffees, these naturals, you know, you have to know the part of the roast after it's first crack where you're developing the bean. You know, I'm, I'm doing this every day. And when you do an Ethiopian coffee, it reacts differently. And it's really neat to see. And I always wonder that, okay, hopefully I got and developed this bean the way, the way I want it to. And sometimes it's not the blueberry, but at the end it was a it was a melon. You know, I, I got I got a cantaloupe. Like that's what I tasted. And I like, this is still amazing, but yeah. wow, it changed. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It might sound strange to describe these flavors in coffee when you know it has such its own strong and distinct flavor. Mm-hmm. But I think that almost helps kind of bring them out because once you get used to the taste of coffee and tasting it a lot, you notice the differences from that sort of center line that much more yeah yeah the depths of coffee the right? depths of coffee there's much more to it yeah, like the the coffee i gave you the the bernie well my favorite coffee that's, that's well, the, one of my favorite coffees. that's the new rock star right now well, i've talked about it a lot but and listeners are probably going to be like stop repeating yourself but that uh the spring loaded espresso machine oh, at yes. the 14th location had uh the Colombian coffee which javi gave me some today so it's blast from the past and also really good but that's magical coffee. Yeah, that, that coffee is actually from, uh, like I mentioned earlier, he's 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 the, the exporter, owns a, a direct trade company, okay. it's an exporting importing company in Colombia. He's based out of Medellin. His name is Daniel Velasquez, and he sells to uh, Blanchard. He sells to Vigilante. Uh, he sells to us, but he's from Alexandria. Huh. It's awesome to carry his coffee because you know the work that he's putting in, knowing that he's also local. I think his first cupping was here at Swings. Huh. When he wanted to learn how to, you know, get into the industry, I think he talked to Neil. Like that was the first person he talked to. Hmm. So it's neat to see even his progress. And because it's, we know him and because he wants to kind of take away from the middleman mm-hmm. and give back more to the farmers, there's transparency. We can, we know exactly what's going on. Yeah. When he gets excited about certain coffees, you know, we know that we're in for something. And when he comes by and he brings all these little micro lots, uh, like the Via Burn, which is, is the natural, and he'll bring it washed, and you'll get something like fruity pebbles, and then he'll bring it washed, and you get something like a clean finish, a little bit of chocolate notes. It's like, huh. it's the same coffee, but it's, it's you know, processed differently. It's, it's neat. And so, what does he do? So, what his goal is, is to find an outlet for the farmers to sell their coffee where they're going to get their most profit back as a farmer. You know, the industry has been notorious for, you know, underselling the farmers. And uh, uh, that's why he named it Campesino. That's, you know, that's a Spanish word for like a, like a farmer. His goal is to get coffees that are, haven't been discovered in, in Colombia and export them to the United States to this market and selling it at the premium specialty prices and trying to eliminate the middleman stuff as much as possible so he can give most of it back to the owners of the fincas and um, to the farmers. And uh, that also motivates them and their neighbors 
to uh, make higher and better quality coffee. And for as a roaster, that's awesome for us to buy from him because if we have a question of the coffee, you know, we, we can just contact him directly and he has Don Octavio's number or he's at the Finca and that makes a really good uh, relationship. Yeah. yeah. That's really exciting. And, and so you've mentioned Neil a couple times and I think if you're in the coffee industry, you know Neil, but if you're not, can you tell us more about Neil? No. Squirrel. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from, but that's the big one. But uh, he's, I mean, you've known him longer. But <laughs> uh, he's, I don't know, it's understating it to say he's really good with coffee. Uh, okay. Yeah. Director of coffee here. and The Doco. The Doco. Yeah, he definitely has his, this is his rap sheet in, in what he's done in the industry too. You know, he's worked at farms in, in Uganda and in, uh, and in Kenya and, uh, he he has definitely has a lot of coffee miles in him and he's seen the industry change you know he's been doing this for what 27 years he's a certified q grader which is uh i mean you, i guess it's like a like a sommelier for wine he's he's kind of like that with coffee he's the one that hosts the cuppings every friday okay. at 10 but uh his knowledge is just so vast you know and uh, for me you know working with him side by side has been you know such like a blessing because I get to pick his brain. Yeah. And I'm extremely curious, especially when it comes to coffee. And I don't think there's been one question I've ever asked him that he hasn't answered. And not just answer it, just how he goes in depth and he'll give you an example of, of why certain things are a certain way or why we will buy beans a certain way yeah. and or roasted beans a certain way. So it's, he's the know all. Know all. <laughs> cool. And I think in terms of his coffee, uh, farming experience that kind of gets him uh, the ability to interact with it all the way along the production chain. I think uh, there were some specific coffee relationships we had with some of our Sumatran uh, beans where uh, the honey process was becoming more popular. There's a couple ways, uh, basically, while harvesting coffee to uh, get from the coffee cherry to the bean. There's natural washed and honey process, kind of an intermediate technique and he literally described it to some of the farms we worked with and uh, they did it for some beans kind of just for us so we were able to offer some very unique coffees and they turned out great and this can increase the value of the beans both for the farmers as Javi said and you know for us in terms of being able to offer these uh, just completely unique uh, roasts and processes yeah did they start doing honey process more in Sumatra do you know they did Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I mean, it's a trend. It's an ongoing. We have some honey process now. It's yeah. the Sumatran woolly rhino, honey, yeah. as it's called. I bought that for it's, somebody. We've got that, yeah, on our shelves. Yeah. yeah. I think somebody from the 14th Street store told me to get it. <clears throat> yeah. Have you guys heard of Coast to Coast Roast? I, by name. By name, yeah. yeah. So it's like a big national coffee community where you can sign up, and then each month you get a brew pound. And you buy coffee from your local roasters and you send it to them and they send you one from theirs. And so I, uh, huh. the first one I did, I was like, well, I got to get it from Swings because it's from DC. And so I, I got the Holy Rhino and I sent it to, I think it was somebody in Colorado or California. And then they sent me their coffee from local markets. Oh, that's but, uh, neat. I want in. It's cool. Yeah. So you'll get just coffees from roasters you've never heard of, or you'll get one from like somebody who's famous that's in San Francisco. And it's just, yeah. Like, Oh, sweet. Yeah. Any, so, anytime any of my friends go anywhere, it's like, they, they better bring back give me some bag. coffee. Yeah. That's always like, 
that's always a, a thing that I always ask. So. Yeah. Um, and so we've also talked about a little bit and maybe it's a little more your department, but the, the new shop it's opening up, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to be the manager. Yes. That's exciting. It is. But, uh, and so what do we have in store for people who have never been in this shop or for so, people who have? It's got all the fixings of the old store and some nice new equipment. It's going to have a nitro cold brew system, which is recent even to us as a company. I think just in the past year or two, we've started doing that. It's going to have a pour steady as opposed to the manual pour over bar. Okay. Pour steady is the, the yeah. battle machine, right? It's, um, yeah, it's the one that can computerized. Uh, yeah, automate several pour overs at once. And that's really cool. It might be a little ironic to use a machine to do a traditional manual brew method, but it introduces just extreme consistency and you can control it as much as you would want to doing it manually. Just literally, even the pattern it'll follow as it pours water uh, can mm-hmm. be adjusted for how long. Sort of the classic floor plan. It'll be recognizable to anyone who's been in the old shop. Maybe offer some slightly updated interior design. Have a nice tile floor as opposed to stained concrete. Okay, and nice. Some of the... Well, it's just been renovated. It's a, it's a store that was in place for a long time that you could only ever work on on the weekend. So it can be a nice mix of uh, classic and new. That's exciting. Do people come in a lot either to the roastery or to the 14th street and ask about the oh, shop. Is there? Oh, absolutely. Huge it's been a daily question and it's always heartening to hear that people are that interested in it and remember it. Even two years later, we see people, you know, just mentioning that they saw work going on. And so when's the open yeah. and uh, it's great to hear that they're excited. We're going to be back. That is exciting. And I, I was reading an article, like I said, I'd never been in it, but they were describing that you come in and, bag your own coffee there yeah with the bins well we'll bag it but it is fr- like fresh scooped as opposed to fresh sealed scoop. packs and that's how they were able to offer some of those uh unique blends ideas of what they wanted and we could accommodate that and i think it sort of helps create the atmosphere of the store you know they're closing bins with lids and everything but coffee degasses uh, it's got a very rich chocolatey smell and it gives the store kind of a unique flavor more than having sealed bags. Yeah. Uh, Cause you've got a couple hundred pounds of coffee all the time. It's literally sitting like in the bins. a candy shop for coffee, a candy shop for coffee. Yeah. And I'm, <clears throat> I'm prepping for that. Cause that's gonna gonna be <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have to adjust my roasting schedule now. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's the classic bean counter. We call it. Okay. It's um, basically opposite the espresso bar and all the, drink area there's sort of a stretch of the counter where it's just uh drawers each which will hold about 30 pounds of coffee and each one will be single origin and then another row of the blends so we can actually stock basically every coffee we roast at once wow uh, in that store and you come and get it yep and yeah just days off the roast at most that's exciting so what are some secret blends that people should try uh well, we've mentioned the double mesco. Okay. Um, and what's the double mesco again? It's a. This is also a secret. A, it's a so G Street and mesco blend. It's G-Street. it's a little darker and richer than just okay. the mesco. The G Street's also uh, that blend is named for the G Street location, the one okay. that's reopening. So, uh, yeah, it's just a good lower acidity, kind of rich, dark blend. 
I think people are going to be more creative this yeah. time, this time around when it opens. You know, I think our offerings uh, in our old, our old swings location were more on the the darker side. Okay. So you know, now with you know, a couple years later, we're like, all right, let's put in some new copies and yeah. see what happens. You know, see how people are, uh, mix and match it. And how do you feel about that as a roaster, where you? spend tons of time and thought and energy and senses to create these profiles and blends. How do you feel about people pulling these different blends or single origins together? I think, um, I think in general as a barista, you know, I, I obviously we all, we all love coffee. Uh-huh. You know, so we get really into it. When I meet people like Tudor or you, I can just geek out, go and, coffee. Yeah. Go coffee. Uh, but one thing I learned when I was working at Phil's coffee was that, not everyone's going to see it that way. Consumers, most of them just want their cup of coffee and that's it. You know, they're, they're a morning person. They're just like, give me your cup of coffee and that's it. It's not always about, but this is honey process. Don't you want to try this? Like, no, sometimes they don't care. They just want their cup of coffee mm-hmm. and understanding that you can't control how customers are going to see or interpret coffee. You know, growing up, I never drank specialty coffee you know, with, with my parents, it was, it was always a dark roast coffee and it was just a little bit of milk, a little bit of sugar. And I loved it. That's, I fell in love with coffee that way. You know, when I first started, when I first started drinking coffee. Uh, so I understand that not everyone, you know, obviously now that years of experience and now in being in the coffee industry, I drink, you know, coffee differently, but, um, I understand that not everyone's going to see it that way or drink it that way. So I'm okay with it, you know, yeah. even if I put in a ton of work on, on a blend and a, it's, it's fine. Still going to be a good coffee. After exactly. Work, right? it's, as long as it's fresh. There you <laughs> go. And so right now, if you had these options to mix these together, what blend would you make? Uh, what Tudor blend would it be? And what Javi blend would it be? I did one recently. It was the Via Bernie and the Mesca. Okay. I always have a blend for my girlfriend because she makes a drip coffee mm-hmm. and I always have a single origin that I make for pour overs. When I bring in a new coffee, I just mix them. Last week, I mixed the Via Bernarda with the Mesco, and my girlfriend brewed a pot, and I just grabbed the cup. And I was like, wait a second. This is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And Tudor? Uh, I might I might just be very specific about the ingredients of the Java Mocha blend, which is one of our main blends. It's half Ethiopian, half Sumatran. But I would make it specifically our Ethiopian pea berry and the Sumatran Dolok, which is uh, probably the, again, maybe the furthest apart coffees from each other in terms of acidity, which is what the Java Mocha is going for. I would just kind of tune it with those coffees as they're individually two of my favorites. Huh. That's a great blend. Is that a great blend? That's a good blend. Then you guys have those coffees a lot, it sounds like. Or at least... Well, we cup them. Well, I, I cup them. That's usually when I, the first, I've never had a cup of Java Mocha, mm-hmm. but I've cupped it, uh, plenty of times when we do like our, our blend mm-hmm. cuppings. And, um, that was always one of my favorites. Yeah. It's like what he said, you know, it's like two, you know, opposites, you know, you're getting a, like this very earthy, spicy dolok and then a very like subtle, fruity, uh, light, delicate Ethiopian mm-hmm. coffee. And it makes a really, really good cup. But yeah. Huh. And so back to the shop. When are we opening? Uh, we're on lockdown. Still potentially flexible date. Or sometime in February. Yeah. Yeah. Early February. Okay. Still on the, the map. That'd be awesome. 
That yeah. would be. Yeah. And so are there any events planned or, or ways to really get people in the door? Probably don't really need that. We're, but, uh, <laughs> we're working on, uh, maybe just not having the door broken down before then. <laughs> uh, well, how do people try to break it down? People, yeah, coming in in the midst of construction, asking about it. <laughs> they literally <laughs> walk into the construction out. room and say, "Hey, yeah. what are you opening?" Especially well, up until recently, there was like all the windows were still papered, but that's come down, so you can see that there's a shop there now. And yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> something we have to be aware of <laughs> as we come and go and work on the shop. So. Yeah, I would say so. don't break down the door if you're listening. <laughs> so you guys have been around for like a hundred years, right? That's yeah. you know, wipe your shoulders off. <laughs> and there's a lot of good coffee shops in DC. But how is it talking with other baristas or roasters in the community uh, who have been around uh, for a shorter period of time? Is there I indifference? Don't or? Think there's much of a perception of that. Mm-hmm. I think if anything, everyone's in their own new territory when it comes to coffee. Uh, Swings may have been working with coffee a lot longer, but it's, you know, uh, discovering things about espresso processes and trying things out like a a bourbon barrel aged roast, which was very successful and we'll be doing again. I don't think there's any sort of, there's, there's camaraderie within the coffee industry. I don't encounter any sort of hostility between shops. I think some individuals may work that into their coffee identity, but I don't think that's really the the general vibe. People who work in coffee are happy to work with it, and it's always fun to share that with other people who share that enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice community camaraderie. I, I've never, I went to a latte art throwdown for the first time, I think like two, three, four months ago. And I'm, I mean, I was a barista for a little bit, but I'm, I, I would never participate yeah, in a lot of it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really, I would not. I actually, I, I was impressed. I was like, you know, for the, for you to go up there and just like, and they're all really good. But, uh, when you talk to just being around baristas or roasters and you see every, you know, going to the, the roasters showcase, yeah. I, I met some of the head roasters, you know, for certain companies and they were all there, you know, it wasn't just baristas. It was, a, it was, it was a whole community and everyone's really nice. And, uh, when you mentioned swings, there is a certain, Oh, you work at swings or yeah, I know that. Oh, I love your coffee. And it's good to be a part of, of a tribe, you know, yeah. it's like, cause working in coffee, especially if you're really into it, you know, none of my best friends are into coffee. So it's, it's kind of, it gets difficult to talk to them about coffee without, you know, sounding maybe a little pretentious or something like that. Mm-hmm. But when you're with your own tribe, you know, it's like, all right, well, let's talk, you know, what coffees we're offering. And it's, it's, it's so, it's neat, especially in DC. It's just the last, you know, what, 45 years. Yeah. It's, it's been growing like crazy. And, uh, it's cool to see that, you know. Yeah. No, that's nice. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to pull out a, a antagonism between the groups, but it is always nice to hear people continually say that. You know, the community is in a lot of ways one and it continually makes each other better. And there's something about, you know, my friends will ask me, what's your favorite cup of coffee? And it's like, oh, well, how much do you really want to hear? Because <laughs> um, there's just, there's so much good stuff out there. Yeah. And I guess towards community, how does Swings foster community within the DC coffee scene? We've done like just a... Uh small throwdowns you can get together with another shop and just have like uh 
you know, informal head-to-head competition as opposed to the more organized DMV ones. Although the, even those are hardly, you know, the winner gets a trophy, but everyone's there to have fun. Uh, but yeah, doing little head-to-head throwdowns can be lower pressure and ways for individual shops to kind of meet and hang out. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So like head-to-head versus another shop. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we did one with... Uh, you know what? That needs to become a thing. That that's kind of cool. <clears throat> That'll make it more interesting, right? It's like getting one shot versus the next. It's yeah, like, that would be fun. Right? Easy. It's a new idea for the yeah. throwdowns. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a, a wrestler in, in high school and college, and we would do dual meets and tri meets. And so See? that'd be kind of interesting. Spirit to put barista from one shop against another. Yeah. Make a throwdown Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> the term throwdown lends such a violent competitiveness yeah. <laughs> already. Throw it. Yeah. yeah. Like raw wrestling. I don't know. That's funny. And so for each of you, what does coffee mean to you? It's um, a very general question, but uh, take it whatever direction you want. I mentioned uh, we were, where I was talking to you earlier, yeah. but it's the same thing for me. It's in the book, uh, God in a Cup, the guy that started off for me, Peter Giuliano, uh, he was asked that same question at the end of the book. I think that's the way Michelle Wiseman finished the book, and he nailed it. He said it's what the moments that coffee can create. The way I interpret coffee and in my life has been that, whether it's through uh, family or being a barista and having interactions with the the community or um, being a roaster. There's these moments and uh, friendships and uh, experiences that coffee creates that. And if you understand maybe a little bit of the history or the process or how much work went into it, it, it's special. You know, it's, uh, for instance, unfortunately, my grandpa passed away about a month ago and it was late. We got it. We got the news really late and all of our family came to my mom's house. The first thing I thought about was, all right, I need to brew coffee. So yeah. I just started brewing coffee and it's, it's a, it's a room that everyone's lost someone and it's, it was sad. But as soon as the coffee started going around and it was all night, we just kept brewing more coffee. There became all these little circles within my family of stories and laughter. It went from this very, you know, sad moment to this very celebrated uh, remembering of my grandpa. It was neat to see. That's how I saw that. It was to me that was a moment that coffee created too, because it was say what you say if it's a drug or not, but it, it gets you going a little bit and it gets you a little bit excited. Mm-hmm. And when, when talking to someone and. You know, I feel like uh, the the conversations elevate as the cup goes down. You know, it's neat. It's yeah. yeah Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I can follow. <laughs> so profound uh, to me. I mean, is what coffee's been to me personally. Uh, not to sound cliche, but it can be what you make of it. You can commit yourself to it almost as a lifestyle, but it, it offers you the freedom to do that or not. Or to do so much uh, with your personal time and life. I think it has a flexibility that you might not find with other jobs. Even your ability to move around with your skills. Or, you know, try something out and then come back to it. Yeah, to me, coffee has been a, a freedom. And even working in it long enough that I've kind of seen changes in my lifestyle just over the years. That I can see with... Uh, in parallel with my growth in coffee. I would attribute actually some of that to just the freedom working in coffee has given me. 
the hustle and coffee. Yeah. Well, thank you both for sharing those. Those were very, very raw. And like the, <laughs> the part that, that coffee allows the moments that it creates. Yeah. Um, even if you're just talking about it. So that's awesome. What espresso would you do with what alcohol? Ooh. And, and you can either combine them together or just take them back to back. It's a good question. I'd probably do. Uh, no, never mind. I was gonna say gin. Interesting <laughs> <laughs> choice. No maybe maybe the house espresso, the four mile blend with uh, just a whiskey. Yeah, I think the the smokiness uh-huh. versus the sweeter acidity of the espresso. I think yeah, the next to next to whiskey espresso might even taste light. Huh. Just back to back, you would drink one and then the other. Yeah. Oh, what we can do is wash uh, out your palate. Pull a shot of the the bourbon, of the bourbon, bourbon espresso, yeah, yeah. and just a bourbon. Dump the shot in there. <laughs> a Jaeger bomb whiskey bourbon espresso. <laughs> Man, yeah, that sounds good. There's also that smoky tequila that with some shots that are like very yeah. acidic. That might be interesting to get. I was thinking or like a smoky. Maybe that with the amaro. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very espresso and the Sorry. tequila. This is the extra secret yeah. menu. See, Top secret. We're dropping some gems here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, so you guys have, you're both from Virginia, right? I grew up around Maryland. Kind of, okay. We'll, we'll focus on D.C. or Virginia, but what is yeah. the, like if you, if a friend's coming in town, never been to D.C. area, where would you recommend them to go to eat, whether it's breakfast, dinner, or lunch? Oh, um, hands down, I'm taking them to Fu 75 for a big bowl of pho. But you have to go to Fu 75 in Arlington. Fu 75 in Arlington. For sure. Cash only, only pho. You know what you're getting. And it's the closest authentic Vietnamese pho that uh, I've had in the area. Huh. And I went to Vietnam in January. And when I came back, I mean, I went to my favorite spots and they weren't cutting it. And I went to Fuzz 85 and I was like, this is it. This is it. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Nice. Hey, Tudor? I, hmm, that one's harder for me. I don't know. Okay. Because I like to go around different places. Top of mind. Top of my head? I might might be biased because I worked there for a bit, but uh, Maketo has some incredible yeah. lunch and dinner fare. Love Maketo. Their sandwiches at lunch are amazing. The numpang, they call it. Let's say it's sort of shares elements with a bond me and they hand make every ingredient they bake the bread there that morning unbeatable but a lot of things a lot of places to go to and yeah. a lot of shots to drink with shots for sure <laughs> yeah man but uh thank you guys again for sitting down and we'll see you at swings yeah man well we're here but we'll see you there thank you thank yeah. you and that's wrap folks stay up to date with swings on facebook twitter linkedin and instagram at swings coffee Make sure to check out their old but new cafe on 17th and G. Try out some of their secret blends. Drip, a DC Coffee podcast, can be found wherever you get your podcasts and on Twitter and Instagram. A quick thanks to Steve Stewart for editing, the Broke Royals for music, Rebecca Silverstein for graphic and web design, and Leslie Stukenbroker for creative support. Thanks again for listening, and keep brewing community. Community.